Creeps, it's Tanya. Well, uh, we left you last week with a real cliffhanger. There's a real good chance he's gonna die. We are back to continue our obsessively detailed discussion of the film Creep. So if you didn't catch the last episode, go back to part one, because we're about to get started on part two right about now. Feeling feel pretty creepy. when the movie ends for every other movie yeah. like it. And this is why this movie is perfect and special. We've got an act three that at first you, I felt like disoriented a little bit and I wondered like, like what's is everything suddenly it's like the clouds are lifted in this last part of the movie. We're in the sunlight. We're in a new location. He, like, Aaron's house is really bright and sunny and, like, really welcoming. Everything feels warmer. And, like, Aaron is behaving as if, like, that was a really fucking weird thing that happened and I've moved on with my life. And we're like, How? Which bugs me. Which bugs me. <laughs> right. that, that actually does, that does bug, bug me, me about too. the movie. I'll say that's one flaw. You forgot the fake-out scene, though. The fake-out scene between the two parts where there he's burying garbage bags. Oh, yes. So the video that he... Okay. Oh, right. You're totally right. right. Okay. Yep. Okay. 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 So before before we see Aaron in his natural habitat, so he we see him charging at the door at Peach Fuzz, what we see next, it cuts directly to another home movie. So we're still seeing it from, like, POV mode. And... It's just Joseph digging it's a hole. It's just Joseph dragging big garbage bags, multiple garbage bags, up a steep hill, sort of like haphazardly, and he's like, he almost seems like irritated. It's weird. Um, and it's so obvious that he's pretending the bags are really heavy. Like there mm-hmm. are, mo- th- like, f- like physics gets in the way of his acting a little bit because he's dragging them up a hill. And I wonder if he even cares. Like, you know, but anyway, and then we see him start to dig a hole, like, really badly. He's not good at it. It's not very efficient. He seems a little half-hearted about it. But the message is clear, and he keeps aggressively looking at the over at the camera, and then he'll go back to digging. And we're like, uh, we assume that that's Aaron. And, and I don't know, did you guys notice the bag thing? That they were obvious? There was an, yeah. actually not. Yeah. So, like... It's confusing. We don't know what to believe now. And I feel like we've been manipulated into thinking, like, maybe everything's fine then? But everything seems to be fine, because then we find out that we're watching this alongside Aaron, because he received a DVD mysteriously in the mail, and that's what it is. And he's like, he doesn't fully take it seriously. He's like, well, this means he knows where I live, and that fucking sucks. But he doesn't seem scared. Yeah. And then he also makes a comment like like he's sort of talking about it in a disparaging way. Like, I guess I'm supposed to be like, that's a grave for me. Or like, you know, like he's almost like making fun of how unclear the message was. It just, I guess I'm supposed to be vaguely threatened by this. Um, and kind of like forgets it. Well, no, no. He, he actually says... Well, I mean, to the effect of, well, I guess the best thing to do is just take this out and put away and oh, yeah. put it away and never and pretend it never, never happened. Think about it again. I'm like, that is the yeah. worst possible you know, thing you could do, actually, Aaron. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because of the cut between the Peach Fuzz fi- uh, semifinal encounter and and watching this video. We don't know what happened in that time gap, really. Right. Like. We don't know the vibe of it. Was it that Aaron managed to escape and Joseph didn't really pursue him, maybe? Was it like he didn't take this threatening video message seriously because the way that he escaped didn't feel as dire or threatening? Uh, You know, we don't know. And so it's interesting to kind of like speculate on, on those experiences between the time cuts and what might lead to Aaron not taking this seriously. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And also, he's probably thinking what we're thinking. If he wanted to kill him, he had so many right. opportunities to kill him, and he didn't. He didn't kill him all day. <laughs> and he had, and it seemed like he was gonna, but he didn't, and he chose not to. So, like, really, what do you do but move on? Well, this is maybe my theory about how the interaction ended, where, okay, where Aaron gets by Joseph, and in the last attempt at manipulation, because there is an element of Joseph is a lonely person and is trying to connect in a weird way with Aaron. And so maybe he like basically was like, Hey man, come back. I was just messing around. Right. So it was, right. it was one last, like I was just messing around. My sense of humor is weird. Like he mentioned earlier and he let him go mm -hmm. because, uh, obviously Aaron had to get away on foot cause he didn't have a car or his keys, but Joseph would have had a vehicle. So if he's really trying to get him, he could have chased him down with the vehicle. So I bet it ended in a one last vague right. message, and maybe just a yeah. prank, bro. Yeah, yeah, just and maybe that's yeah. why Aaron is a little more like, man, that was weird. It's, right. that instead makes of sense. like, oh my god, I'm in, in, in imminent danger, you know? Yeah, and it's best that we don't see that because mm -hmm. it dis because it would dispel it for us, and we don't want to be dispelled. We want it. We're kept on our toes. Yeah. It's still in question until the very last moment. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Which is interesting because we see everything at the beginning. In the first half, we see everything that's going on, and we are in Aaron's head. And then we skip ahead, and we're missing information, and now we're like a third party suddenly. Um, because now we're like, we don't know whose perspective we're watching this from suddenly. It's like, surprise, you're now watching this from uh, the killer's perspective because he made this movie. Like, we're, sh we're just completely shifted and dropped into another universe suddenly, it feels like, like in terms of tone. And so, so, so Aaron is like, yeah, I'm just going to throw this DVD away and that will solve it. Um, Obviously, never been a stalker because that's not how it works. I mean, been stalked before, <laughs> or um, probably been a stalker. <laughs> I wouldn't know about it. Um, and so, anyway, so he receives another package, but this time it's like a big out, big old box, and um, he he knows who it's from. There's no return address. And he brings it inside, and he very hesitantly, hesitantly and carefully opens it. And right off the bat, in this big box, which I would say, like you could, he could fit inside of if he like sat cross-legged and and ducked his head down, you could close the box around Aaron. And so he opens it up, and it's full of packing peanuts. But like logistically, would there really, would the kitchen, the giant kitchen knife just be sitting on top of those packing peanuts <laughs> and then the whole time i was like oh my god what if he reached in and got the blade and he didn't see it it was slice his hand i was very preoccupied with just a free floating knife the, the physics the of a uh, knife in <laughs> yeah, a box full of I was packing like, peanuts <laughs> yeah i was like very distracted and that's all i could think about is like what would have happened if he didn't see it and he just stuck his hand in there and then later so he pulls the knife out and he's like oh Okay, this isn't good. <laughs> and then, and then he pulls out a stuffed wolf. No, he pulls out a DVD. He pulls right? out the DVD. I'm sorry. A second DVD. Accidental reveal. Um, yes, another DVD. He pops in the DVD. He's holding the knife, and he's just like in disbelief. Like he he seems scared and um, uh, definitely disturbed. And <clears throat> um, what is on the D? Oh, the, right. This is this is his like confession. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He opens it up and yeah. Yeah, he's like, "Okay, all right. I'm going to stop bullshitting you. I'm going to stop lying to you and I'm just going to tell it like it is. I'm a fucked up guy. I'm real messed up. I've got problems. They tried to fix it. Uh, they gave me the medication. I saw the doctors. None of it worked. The this just the reality is that I'm a creepy guy and I'm acknowledging that and I'm taking ownership of the fact that I'm a real fucking creep and I'm very lonely. I don't have friends and all of this stuff seems perfectly plausible." and reasonable and also not bullshit like this feels like okay finally he's being real so he's pulling Aaron back in he's manipulating him emotionally again by being like I'm gonna give you a half truth it's obvious that I'm fucked up everyone can agree that I'm messed up right so he's getting his trust by acknowledging this thing and then he's like I 
<clears throat> basically he humbles himself pretty severely and is like i like begging almost to, to help help me help you help me <laughs> like let me apologize and explain myself so you can see who i really am because i haven't shown you who i really am and that feels like a very reasonable and vulnerable thing to do and the method but but it's so funny because there's a fucking knife there's just a free floating knife in that box that's the first thing he finds and then the second thing he finds is this guy talking like a totally reasonable person you kind of forget about the knife of it all you're like okay all right well that makes sense still don't trust him still think he's dangerous but you know like we're along for the ride and then he's at the end of the video says like keep digging though because there's more stuff in there um and he pulls out a locket a wolf sorry there was a really weird noise <laughs> um he pulls out the stuffed wolf and the locket and the locket what's inside the locket chance <laughs> i thought that the locket was in the wolf was it oh yeah oh, was it? chance yeah so so he okay so he he makes some like um he he is in the video joseph's talking about the wolf and how he saw this wolf and it reminded him of um aaron aaron because we have to pause and say aaron has been doing a little bit of a video diary in between the first dvd and this package because the it seems that receiving the dvd brought up some maybe underlying trauma response from that night and now aaron is having really vivid nightmares about peach fuzz specifically about being in a hot tub with peach fuzz um and and then suddenly the water is blood so he's having trauma nightmares and so he's saying these things aloud in the camera. And that's a moment where we're like, oh, is did he hear him talk, telling that story about having nightmares specifically about Peach Fuzz? He had to. Right. Because he was, way. we find out that he's been inside of his house and is sneaking in and is, is actually f like fully stalking him. And so so he i it doesn't seem like he makes that connection though it doesn't seem like he makes the connection between his dream because he's still naive enough to think that this guy isn't hanging around all the time he didn't drop that at the post office he hand delivered it sir um <laughs> which is also funny he's like the delivery guy left it outside you don't know that it was the right. delivery guy you were in the bathroom it was him anyway um so he, he like makes some like sort of um like vague comments that make that sort of like hint that there's something inside of the stuffed animal and he's like making it into a metaphor about i don't know finding the strength within or finding the wolf within or whatever right and so so he takes the knife now we know what the knife is for which is like a little bit of a relief right like actually wasn't a threat he's just making sure he knows how to, open up the to cut open the wolf but that again that vague messaging where like it could be completely uh nefarious or it can be completely like yeah nothing on right. purpose it's genius so he almost uses the knife to slice it open but i think there's a part of him that's like i'm not gonna fully play along with this horse shit so he like puts the knife down and just rips open the asshole it looks like <laughs> which is also just a funny yeah. moment because we hear about the bestiality porn and now we see him like fisting stuff <laughs> Anyway. This movie's deep. That was a great um, touch. <laughs> and that's when he finds the locket. And inside of the locket... Well, it's engraved, too. The top of it is engraved with a J with plus A. a. 
for it. Uh-huh. Does it and, say and forever or something like that? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. J plus A forever opens the locket and there's a picture of, of Joseph and one of, I believe one of the pictures like either from a video that Aaron was taking. It's like one a of the pictures. It was one of the pictures that he, that he was taking when Aaron first showed up. Right. And he was hiding from him and secretly taking a picture. It's one of those. Yeah, and that's the moment where Aaron's like, oh, God, like, this is not, yeah. this is still bad. Then it, it, <laughs> we cut to him putting a deadbolt, another deadbolt on his door while ta- while calling the police to file a report. The police are like, um, so you don't know his actual name? And we find out in this, during this phone call that that house didn't belong to him. He, it was a rental, and because we don't know his actual name... I feel like that was a little bit of a plot hole because if it, if he rented that house, we would be able to track yeah, him down. Yeah, exactly. Unless he didn't rent it and it was vacant and mm-hmm. he broke into it, which is also an option. But he also, he definitely spent time in it enough to orchestrate a whole like day around it and have the mask and all of that stuff prepared. So question mark about that. But But long story short, the cops are like, what the fuck do you want us to do about this guy that may or may not exist? You don't have any information. We have nothing to do. And um, and now we start to feel helpless alongside Aaron when we're like, right, there is not like he's just a creep. He hasn't done anything bad enough. He's just a fucking creep. And then the scariest moment of the whole movie, in my opinion, happens Things are escalating now, and he's uh, asleep, and he wakes up, and we we the the shot starts with him waking up to be like, oh, I had another fucking dream about this guy, and I just need to talk about it, and uh, like he's exhausted and fucking over it, and while he's starting to tell the story he hears a noise that sounds like it's in the same room, but he looks outside and he's immediately spooked and is like, nope, 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 turning on all the lights. I'm like, I've done that like on a regular basis. What he's doing right now, I act like I'm in imminent danger on a regular basis and I have no reason to. It's just nerves. But I was like, I know that feeling where you're just like, absolutely fucking not, all the lights are coming on now. <laughs> but he is in danger. But he's acting as if like, he's he's trying to keep himself calm. Like, okay, I'm just fucking freaked out. Okay, all the lights are on. But he starts calling Joseph's name. He's like, Joseph, <laughs> is that you? It is. And there's a moment where he walks out of his room and we see him, he still has the same knife from the box that he's been almost holding onto like a trophy. It's weird. And he's, we see him, we're, the camera is set up in his bedroom. So the vantage point is from inside his bedroom. So we're looking through a doorway. So we have a limited view. So we see him sort of coming in and out of frame. Um, and there's a moment where he's standing in front of the camera or blocking the view. So we just see mostly Aaron. And basically, he's decided, like, he's losing his mind or, like, okay, everything's fine. But when he moves away, when our, our view is clear again, we see Joseph standing outside a glass door, a sliding glass door. He's on the other side of it, just fucking standing there, like, wide out in the open, where all Aaron would have to do is just, like, turn his head to the left and see him, and he's just fucking standing there. And that is a, an irrational fear that I have about like when it's dark outside and the lights are on inside and you just don't know you just don't fucking know what's out there and I have this like I don't know any moment in a movie where that happens where they're like trying to look out a window and they're like I think everything's fine turn off the lights and it's like ah! <laughs> I'm here surprise I was here the whole time that is a fear that I have every single night can't happen okay i have to close the windows or the curtains as soon as it's dark i can't handle it so i hated it hated it well i have well i have a a window in front of my sink so at nighttime when i'm washing dishes or something and i'm staring out the the window into the dark i sometimes picture a a face yeah joseph's (laughs) face smashing against the glass but no i know what you mean though there's just something about those dark vacant windows where anything could just 
appear. Where you just like, <laughs> yeah, and and my I, I'm like crazy good at convincing myself that things are real that aren't. Yeah. <laughs> right. When it's unpleasant and and but when it's something that would be nice. <laughs> Good luck trying to convince me of it, but it it takes just the 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 fragment of a thought. Like, what if someone is standing right out there? I would have no idea. That's all it takes, and that's all I think about until I finally fall asleep. Um, it's really effective, but then it's a just it's it's brief, and I don't have like a huge TV, but it was very obvious. Like it's dark outside, and he's dressed in dark clothes, but you still clearly see him. Mm-hmm. But Alex didn't even see him. Because I felt like, I just felt like Alex wasn't as scared as I was in that moment. And I'm looking over him like, what the fuck is your problem? This is scary. (laughs) And he didn't see him at all. And I was like, I wonder how many people watched this movie and didn't even see him standing there. That's interesting. (laughs) That's like such a great moment. And Alex would have missed it if I didn't point it out to him. Yeah. I feel like that would change the level of escalation for me if if that scene hadn't happened. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, that scene, and then I think it cuts again, and now we're we're if the camera's like in the similar or same position, and we see Aaron sleeping. The camera is turned on while Aaron's sleeping, and then we see someone pick up the camera. It's not Aaron. Pro tip: because Aaron's asleep, <laughs> and we see him, and we see the camera kind of pan over Aaron and his body while he's sleeping. And then we see someone come into the frame, just their hand with a pair of scissors and cut a little bit of just a little little hair off of Aaron's head. And that's it. We just see then the camera go off. Um, It's unclear if Aaron sees that clip in the morning or, or, you know, if he's privy to that information that that happened um, but at that point, I think then there is uh, a scene where Aaron goes outside to look for Joseph or uh, or something, and he throws away the locket that Joseph had given mm-hmm. him, right? He throws that away. And so then the next day or a couple days later, he gets another DVD on his doorstep from Joseph. And in a nutshell, the contents of it are... I was very hurt. I found your the locket in the trash, um, and I, you know, I was very hurt. I felt I felt like that was a moment for us to, you know, make amends. So what I would really like to do is just have one last meeting where we can just kind of clear the air. You know, let's meet in a public place, like in in daylight. It'll be totally fine. He's he's you know, at the location. He's at the location. He it. He's like, let's be. I'm here. I'll be at this park at. Here I am. He's filming the park. I'll be here at this time on this day. Please you know, come. Yeah, please come. We can just we can we can figure it out. And um, oh, and he's even like it's a public place. It's yeah. wide open, but which seems reasonable. But also, there's fucking no one in the frame. Like he's going. It's wide open. It's right out in public, but it's completely empty. <laughs> Yeah. So that's not it's like a false not, sense of uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like pointing out the obvious that he's like, look at how much space is between me and anything that would hear whatever I do right now. Yeah, but it's misleading because there's houses everywhere too, right? There's a whole hillside or like a boat, but, like there's but they're boats so on a lake. far away. But, but but it's all but it's it's a, like a it's a great yeah exactly. Area. It yeah. has an appearance of being populated, but it's still secluded at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think between that and the finale, isn't there a small scene where Aaron's just like I don't like he's kind of weighing it a little bit and then we mm-hmm. see him in his car he's at the place um where they're supposed to meet and before he goes and sits on this public bench you know he he sets up his camera in the car he says i'm gonna put my phone to speed dial 911 just in case i need it i'm filming it so that you know there's evidence in case anything weird happens and then he you know we hear him shut the car door we see him walk into frame and go and sit on this bench overlooking just this beautiful lake and it's sunny out there's a tree nearby it it seems like a very peaceful place and then you know after aaron sits down he looks kind of behind him a few times like you know where is this guy and then he kind of just like settles in and 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 looks out onto the lake and a, a minute or so passes and then we see walk into frame uh joseph 
Peach Fuzz is who we see. No, we just see Joseph at first. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. He pulls it out. And then he's, he's wearing a trench he's, coat. He's wearing a trench, wearing a trench coat. coat. <laughs> and we see him walk into frame. He stands maybe like a meter or two behind Aaron. We see him kind of flare out his trench coat. He pulls the Peach Fuzz mask out. He puts the Peach Fuzz mask on. We see him kind of stand there for another minute. He flares the trench coat out again, and then we see him with the axe. The same axe that at the very beginning of the film we see is wedged into a tree stump threateningly while Aaron is trying to find Joseph. Joseph calls attention to early on and is like, you know, I have an axe back at home. Did you see it? And then he kind of fucks with him. It's It's near the beginning of the fuckery. But he's like, um... Tell me the truth. When you saw that axe, was there a little bitty part of you that thought I might kill you with it? And that's also like, that's a brilliant manipulation. Yeah. Because he's he's like, he's acknowledging a thing that if he were dangerous, he, a, ra- a, a reasonable person, okay, reasonable is not the right word. Someone who intends to like do harm to you and is trying to hide it, they're not going to say that. They're not going to point out <laughs> all the ways that they could hurt you. Yeah, it's like a plain sight fallacy. I don't right. know. Yes, so it's it's beautiful recall there. And so we see there's this kind of like drawn out, like happens over like three real time minutes where he's kind of like, Joseph is enjoying kind of like the lead up to what we all know is something bad is going to happen with this axe. And... Um, you know, Aaron is still just has no idea what's going on behind him. Here's Peach Fuzz holding the axe above his head for, you know, a solid like 10 seconds before he kind of lifts it up and crack into the back of uh, into the back of Aaron's skull. Immediately he falls over. And at that point, the video pauses and we wait. Y- yeah. Can we talk? Yeah. About I it? need to say yes. two things about <laughs> yes, it. Yes. I yes. And, and, and yes, let's talk about okay. that. <laughs> Can I go first on? Yes. Okay. Uh, so. three minutes in a movie is a long time especially for that kind Mm -hmm. of shot but it it's like the best use of that choice uh in this movie that i I think i've seen in a movie it just oh it just works perfectly with the suspense and the second thing uh what tanya mentioned earlier earlier about the gore um it's not gory this isn't a bloody scene even though we're looking directly at him getting we're too far away we're too far away but we're close enough to hear the melon sound, right? Yeah, and, that's what I want to talk about. And there's like this really realistic, there's like something very not Hollywood about this murder. And it feels way more real and authentic than a Hollywood gore fest. It's almost underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Like the mundane reality of death and murder exactly. in the real world. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And the melon sound. When I was a kid, my parents weren't paying attention to anything that me and my brother did. Um, but for whatever reason, like we we convinced my mom to put a note on file at the local video store that said we could rent rated our movies when we were like 12. Um, maybe younger because we would go after school like at least twice a week and try to rent rated our movies and we would be like she the lady that owned it would make us call our mom every single time. Like out of principle, this is a tiny, tiny town. Like she knew us; we were her probably most reliable customers. Um, but anyway, just at, like out of principle, she would make us call her mom every single time, and every single time we're calling her mom at work to say, "Can you tell the lady we can rent The Exorcist?" And um, and she would say they can rent it, and she would just she she just did, she hated us. She was so annoyed. So she was like, "Just get a note for if you can get your mom in here and write a note physically in front of me that says you can rent all the rated R movies you want." then I will stop making you call your mom. So, of course, we did that. Um, And my mom was like, yes, please, (laughs) stop calling me. And we celebrated by renting a lot of horror movies. But for some reason, like, we rented The Exorcist 1 and 2, Poltergeist, um, Children of the Corn 1 and 2, the one with cat people that are Sleepwalkers. Sleepwalkers. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Anyway, but 
but my mom had one rule about movies and it was the shining that you can't watch the shining and we were like well (laughs) this is a joke we also owned it it was on dv or no we had it on vhs so like it's in our house and you're gonna try to tell us we can't watch it (laughs) that's funny so we like had a party about it and invited for our neighbor, these neighborhood girls that live down the street to come watch it in the middle of broad daylight because we were like, if this, if if we can't, if we're told we can't watch this movie, it must be fucking crazy, and we found out later as adults that it was because of the naked lady in it. Huh. And I was like, oh my god, I forgot about the naked lady except that she was a fucking dead body. Like right. <laughs> that was the point. Anyways. <laughs> extremely long story short <clears throat> um, the the scene with what's his name Aaron who Scatman Carruthers oh, I don't oh, know what his oh, name oh. is in yeah, the movie yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about but oh. Scatman Carruthers character yeah when he gets axed in the chest that melon sound that was the first time that I had seen anything like that and when I was really really young I loved Nightmare Before Christmas but the opening sequence this is Halloween with the um axe guy you know like the big lug like lumberjack guy with the axe for some reason that made me feel really really scared like Hmm. that was a hang up for me in that movie and so just just axing people generally I think is the scariest type of killing people in horror movies for me for some reason. I grew up around literal lumberjacks. Maybe that's why <laughs> there were a lot of axes around. Um, but but I can't name another movie that has such a satisfying axe just like chunk extremely realistic yeah exactly and it makes it feel too real to me like i feel sick when i hear it and i can hear it in my head and and it it looks like whatever they did for practical effects whatever he was axing into i mean that i don't know how they did that scene I mean, whatever they have lots of options because it's super far away, so we can't see in detail. But, but what's it's going close on. enough that you're seeing him sitting there, and you're seeing uh, Joseph take quite a fucking swing, and, yeah. and, and just like coming down right on him. Yeah, and really right. Like him. we're not we're not like cutting right. around like a normal movie. Like this is home movie. We yeah. saw him sitting there for an ex- like a really uncomfortable yeah. amount of time, and then. We saw Joseph creep up on him really slowly and take a very long time. Like, there was so much time where all Joseph had to do was, I mean, Aaron Aaron had to do was turn around. There was so much time. And it was almost like Joseph was giving him time. Like, and then, well, there's a comment he makes afterward that's funny, but yeah, uh, about that. But, um, but yeah, like, so when we see him chop, like, there's no break in the in the film or the, and there's no break in the cuts that would I, I don't know how they did it it has to just be perspective yeah. like he yeah. it has to be that he's hitting something that's right next to Aaron on the bench but we can't see it I don't know I would have to go look at the actual shot I don't know how they did yeah, it but it stuck out to me when I when I rewatched it. I was like uh-huh. wow it I it crossed my mind of like I wonder how they got that shot because that looks yeah. like he just laid an axe into that guy's head for it's real. It's extremely realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, and the melon sound. Yeah, we're we're close enough to hear the melon sound, and also we're in a wide open space that's kind of echoey because we're in a canyon. Like there's a there's water, and so the sound kind of carries, yeah. and and it feels like a this may just be extremely well-designed sound, but it seemed like that was a real sound that happened with that action. It wasn't something that was like added post. Mm-hmm. And it may just be that the mixing is so good because we can hear it from the distance. Like it may just be like like the perspective was really good in the mix or whatever they did for the practical effect, like, actually made that sound which but that however they did it that's how it sounds to me it's just extremely convincing the 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 sound matched the landscape right right it looked like the like it was odd and it stuck out as such that wow that and the the medium yeah yeah it really sounded being on a camcorder or whatever it was yeah at the distance in a car 
right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like it sounds like it's a little bit of a slap because of the echo. Yeah. Yeah, great shot. Great death. The only death. I mean, a bummer, but... <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah. <laughs> Poor Depends Aaron. on who you were rooting for, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's... it's it, I would argue that now we ha- we actually have a part four that's very brief. Very brief. Like a, I agree. Like a, yeah. an epilogue. Yeah. Um, because you would expect that's the end, and we think that it is, because we go to black. I have to say one thing before we go into this last portion. Yes. Thank God for that, because if they would have ended it the way that they could have ended it, I would have been, it would have really brought the movie down for me. And that's with that jump scare. Because at this point, we're watching, (laughs) we're watching the movie with, we're watching that axe murder with Joseph at this point, because he's got it all on tape. And, and, And then, so we're still watching the film and then Joseph's, Joseph jumps on screen just having committed the murder and it's a jump scare then jumps to another jump scare where there joseph who's watching that jump scare also screams and then it cuts and if they would have that's at the very end no 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 yeah well that happens right before they go is it yeah it happens later that's not how they end the movie though is it yes it is so he he axes aaron in the head and we freeze frame and then we it turns out that we're watching this section of of the movie on a screen with joseph after the fact so now joseph is turning the camera on us we he it was as if that he was pointing the camera at a tv that was playing this video and now he's pointing the camera back at himself but, so now he's doing but but it's but, but that jumps the jump scares are before the final reveal because no it's at the very no end. is it the final reveal the vi- he puts the videotapes away because the jump scares, because he pulls the, the jump scare happens, he pulls out the tape that's specifically about Aaron, puts it in its container, and then he goes and file, and, and then he goes and files it away. Because he gets a phone call. Yeah. He gets a phone call from, and it's clear like he's about to do Yeah, I knew that person. wasn't at the very end because it would have really bothered me because they redeem it by not making it. It would have been a shitty jump scare. <laughs> it would have, it's, it's a slapstick joke. Yeah. It's like, it's a super, like, yeah, it's a slapstick joke of, of like, yeah, like multiple jump scares back and forth. And it's funny. It, it made me laugh. It like unsettled me, but also made me laugh. But yeah, it would, it would have changed the tone of the movie to end it out. Because that. a lot of cliche movies did that around that time. And, right. but then it goes in the final part and that's where the big reveal is, is that this guy's been doing this so long, his this ruse that he has going on goes back to VHS. Mm-hmm. And this is what I thought of earlier when I was like, oh, he definitely orchestrated every single moment of that entire day because he's on the phone now with someone doing the exact same setup. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is something he has done before and may also explain why he was familiar with the house because he may have used that house for the same thing before. We don't know. But anyway, yeah, we we see that um, he's at it again, and that's how it ends. And it's sort of, like, it's a really kind of sickly energizing way to end the movie and mm-hmm. a perfect setup for a two. Yep. I watched I watched two last night, Creep 2. Um, I wanted to watch it, and uh, it's real good. It's real good. Yeah, well... We'll do another episode of Creep too, but, uh, yeah. but we have to definitely say that, and I mentioned this yeah. before, that it's one of those rare sequels that it's like this movie doesn't need a sequel. And so when you hear the sequel, you're kind of like, uh, kind of grown a little bit. Yeah. But then you watch it, and you're like, holy shit, that was good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And Mark Duplass agrees with you because in the interview I read, I was like, I knew that they were working on Creep 3. Um, but that was like pre-pandemic and I was like oh I hope it wasn't like something that was dropped because of the pandemic but no the thing is the the guy who is Aaron who co-wrote it and directed it um, he got a lot of work in like eh, he and Mark Duplass continued working together like on room is it room 103 something like that Um, anyway so he was basically like 
you know, COVID scheduling, it's been hard, but they're still working on it. But in that interview, he talked about how he was really reluctant to do a second one because he was worried about that exact thing. He's like, it, it just exists on its own. They didn't make it with the intention of doing a second one. And he was like, the last thing he wanted to do was ruin it because it sounds like this movie is very special to him. And he was like, he wanted to do it justice. And I love hearing directors talk about their work like that because it's money making like it's a job after all and if something is successful the first time around and there's an opening like why not make a second one but the way he talks about it is how the fans talk about it Mm -hmm. like like I was really concerned that it was going to be ruined or and he was really concerned about that too which is why I think it's a good sequel because he was like thinking about it the same way we were um which I'm, sh- I'm sure that's, like, by default. No one wants to make a bad sequel. But it just seems like he really wrestled with the idea of whether or not they should. And now he's in the same boat with Creep 3. And basically he's like, we're still working on it. It sounds like they draft, they started a draft of the script. And he kind of chickened out and was like, nope, it's not good enough. And so they completely started over. And so he's like, he's like... <laughs> extremely careful about his approach to this one too the one that hopefully hopefully they do actually finish because it sounds really tenuous right. <laughs> like he completely started over once and isn't fully convinced yet but he really wants to make one and I'm so fucking stoked because it is rare that you see it's almost like extended universe like the tone is slightly different, but it still has all of the same essential elements of, like, the emotional manipulation and, like, keeping you on edge the whole time. Um, and it's interesting because we don't actually learn that much about him. It's not a psycho situation. Like, at the end of Psycho and so many movies that followed, they were like, okay, so we got away with showing Americans some really fucked up shit on camera for the first time, so we've got to explain it to them so that they're not too scared. And so at the end, there's always the wrap-up dialogue of the doctor that's like, well, he had an overbearing mother, and let me explain you the psychology in simple terms. And it's so silly now. They needed it. Everyone needed it. They were going to lose their minds if no one explained it to them. But um, we don't get any of that. We know nothing about him. We All we find out is that everything he said was a lie. And they don't reveal anything about the killer. Like, there's no, like, reveal about his actual life. And... We don't ever see his sister. We don't know her name. Her name's An- her name we is Angela though, because doesn't he call? Oh, it showed up in his. So story, I wonder yeah. if, what if they brought okay. Angela into three, right? That's what I want to talk about. Yeah, like why didn't they bring Angela into two? Saving her for three. <laughs> the second he answered the phone, I was like, she didn't show up in two. But yeah. like, sh- they like primed themselves for a prequel. I would fucking love a prequel for this movie. Can you imagine? Especially because the contents of two, where you get some background, maybe truthful or not, about about Joseph's character and the first time he kills someone. And we don't obviously he's a pathological liar. We don't know if that's true or not. So I would love to unravel that. More. Like, what if the what if when he was a kid, he was like super into being a director, and he made lots of home movies with his sister. Like, that's a perfect. Yeah, it, it's more like if it's more about up. like the compulsion and the art form that yeah. that, that before he really starts getting into the murders, like the development of and that the, like strategy and you know the way he chose exactly. to go about it. You know, because. Because it's a, it's a very deliberate choice that isn't necessary for him to do all of the same shit with this person from, from Craigslist. There could be a lot of different conceits for why that person is there from Craigslist. Um, it's obviously a perfect conceit for so many reasons, but also it's how we get the movie. It's how we see what's happening. Um, but, yeah, like, does he have some kind of obsession with the filming part like that he has a an, portfolio a really important part right he has yeah. a whole a whole closet right. library of recordings that extends that there's also a cabinet <laughs> um and and it's like clockwork for him but yeah as a kid like 
we we would be able to see like how he developed a little bit and i don't think that it would ruin it for me even if they changed the tone completely have you guys seen the movie henry fool no Mm -mm. okay i won't talk about it too much it's a great movie but it's such it's a extremely rare example of a movie that came out that was like indie and had like a niche audience i would say and was considered like arty and then years and years later they came out with a sequel that was like a completely different genre but it was in the extended universe of the characters in the first one and it's hard to explain how they're basically just like it's like two different filmmakers two different genres but they fit together and they introduced new characters and it's like in the future. And it w- I f- had s- a lot of feelings about it when it came out because also so much time had passed, but it's possible. And I actually loved it when I finally watched it. Um, Alex is chopping vegetables so far. Oh, is that what right I'm now. hearing? Oh, I hear that. <laughs> yeah. He's axing some vegetables. I like, I like Alex's role because he's sort of like Maris on Frasier. Or he's just a, a character you only hear about but never makes an appearance, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he'll love to hear that. He also fucking hates that shit. What? Oh. I know, I love oh. it. I Good, love okay. Frasier. I have a soft soft spot for Frasier. Um so, but so a, a good third installment is not impossible. There are examples. Not right on Street yeah. Three, Indiana Jones Three, but I'm saying prequel. I'm saying like even bring in a young actor. Like let's mm. see him when they were kids, and let's find out. Like what when you say kid, I, do you mean like maybe him. young high school? Like like going yeah. through puberty time where he's forming as a human. And we could have flashbacks in that. Yeah. But that's flash yeah, forwards. that's what I'm saying. Like young, young. A prequel man. of flash forwards. Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where's that? Now I'm confused. Now I'm just all turned around. Okay, he would be like high school, college age, but we would have flashbacks of when they were really young, doing oh. home movies and stuff. So I would love to see some character development because I think they would handle it in a way that's unique. Like, I would trust that they would write something like that that could easily be a cliche because we've got a template for this that's been used over and over and over. Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I I just trust that they would put a spin on it enough to make it really interesting. Isn't that what's interesting about this character? And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like what's cool about these movies is that this villain kind of, like, escapes tropes a little bit. Am I wrong in that? Yeah. Like he, like he has his own kind of villainy, and yeah, he lets mm-hmm. the guy get away. Yeah, he yeah. brings everything to an absolute climax and chooses to let the guy so go. So I feel like the yeah. formation of that kind of person could still be because it it's a strong character, which is why it's cool. So if it's a prequel and you're showing that development, you wouldn't do the. I think you could stay away from the cliche, like this is how we made right. a maniac kind of stuff, and like really yeah. make I'm just him a very real interested. person. You know, it's like, like Dexter. Like Dexter does it in a really hacky kind of way, in my opinion. It's the my least favorite part of that show is the flashbacks of him with his dad and like the dad talking to him and stuff, and like the dad knowing that he was a serial killer when he was a kid, and he was like. I'm going to teach you how to do it ethically, son. Like, that whole thing I fucking hate. And it's such a huge part of the show. Um, But I could see them accomplishing what they were trying to do in a smarter, more entertaining way that doesn't feel hacky. Mm -hmm. That would be maybe a little bit more subtle. Would Angela be the one sort of trying to... It would be interesting to see a lot of it through her perspective. Like, we see most of it through Aaron's perspective. What if it was her perspective? Like, that? what if if they were able to make the focus of the movie like Angela's perspective of trying to rear this creep? Yeah. And maybe she became a filmmaker. Maybe. I, I'll draft a script. Okay, yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, I have a lot of ideas. Get Mark Duplass on the phone for me, would you? Is that his name, Mark? Mark Duplass? <laughs> oh, yeah, Mark Duplass. Uh, yeah. That's what I was going to say earlier. Um, 
so when that movie came out, the other one that we were talking about, the one I love, um, we s- there was a screening, um, some special screening at Cinema 21, and Mark Duplass was there and did a Q&A afterward, and I am so not attracted to him in this movie. It's like they intentionally try to make him have a face that you're just like, there's something off about that. Like, it's, it seems like he could be attractive, but there's just something off about him. He's got small <laughs> teeth. I don't know. Um, <laughs> one eye's bigger than the other. Like, one eye's kind of <laughs> closed. The other one's yeah, like... Yeah, which is, which is common. Yeah. But, but, so I don't find him attractive in this movie. If I only knew him from this movie, I wouldn't have the same feelings. But he's just really hot. I can't explain it. Um, but I was so close to his butt, and he has such a good butt. I just needed to make sure that that was her. Good. He wa- we were out in the hallway. I was waiting for Alex. Um, he went to the bathroom, and people were filtering out, and um, he came around the corner, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Mark Duplass's butt. And I talked about it a lot afterward. <laughs> so even if Creep 3 is a flop, there's still his butt. There's still the He's butt. Still got He's a great still got butt. the butt. <laughs> Beautiful. There's no losing here. <laughs> well, uh, do we have any other thoughts before we give this a rating? Well, we've been, we love it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like 10 out of Chef's 10. Kiss. I know our yeah. scale is five, but yeah. 10 yeah. out of 10. Yeah, for multiple reasons, this, uh, not only as an individual, but I think the Creep Club camaraderie makes this movie especially special. Yeah. What if we had watched this movie and one of us was like just not into it and didn't get like it at all would we still be a band no <laughs> no i don't think so either <laughs> yeah um it, it this is yeah. a deal breaker yeah. yeah you have to like this movie if you're in creep club and also uh we're not currently accepting applications yeah that so. yeah Correct. so don't even worry hate it love it it doesn't even matter <laughs> yeah your opinion yeah. is invalid yeah. here so <laughs> <laughs> that's the spirit yeah, exactly of a really good podcast <laughs> Um, I would say for any poor fool who let us tell every detail of the movie before stopping and watching it, um, Alex feels your pain, although he had it done to him, unfortunately. He didn't choose to have everything spoiled. I cornered him in our house and was like, you're going to hear everything that happened in this movie. It's not even up his alley either. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, yeah, like I wonder if he didn't know if he would if he might have an appreciation at least for the like uh, storytelling. Yeah, the storytelling because I did the storytelling and and not a good job of it. <laughs> I think we can all agree. <laughs> and so you you know like I wonder if if he would have a more of an appreciation if I, if I, I, I mean the movie's it, the movie's fair. grounded. You know, it's not like. Right. There's no fantastical elements whatsoever. Right, yeah. and it's it's not, it's gory. not gory. It's not like a traditional horror movie. It's just uneasy. It's, it, exactly, and that's why I felt like this is a low low hanging fruit for someone who is not into horror. And it's short. Um, it's only 77, 77 yeah. minutes. Yeah, which is wild because they make it feel like a much bigger, longer story because of how many acts there yeah. are. Yeah. Yep. It's it's it is a tight film. It is it does not waste time like I think yeah. movies in general are wont to do. Yeah, and also my one and only criticism from earlier where where I was talking about how suddenly he has powder to drug him. How did that happen? But like that's an example. They were that was a choice that was made. I'm sure there was conversation about whether or not they should exp- have some more like explanation of that, but like it wasn't necessary. It's just a it's just like a style choice that I don't agree with, but there are choices like that through the whole movie cuz they they trim it down to the to like the essentials. Mm-hmm. And which you know like in a found footage style movie is hard to hold yourself accountable to because found footage is mostly boring. But that's a, but that's the thing that needs to be pointed out also. This isn't only found footage right a lot of it's that found footage but there's parts where it's like first 
person and like third person, right? Aren't there a couple scenes where we as the viewer are just watching action unfold, not through the lens of the camera? Some wait, no. Yeah, aren't there? It's all it's all via the handheld camera. Yeah, we're always seeing it through. Are you something sure? That's I'm gonna have I'm recorded. gonna have to rewatch. I swear there was. Well, let's let's. I'm I'm. We need to figure it out because I. I'm on Danny's team on this one. I could have sworn like, okay, there was start, a couple scenes where you're not looking through. No, I don't lens. think so. I don't think no. so. I think you're wrong, Chance, and you should feel I think bad. I I do. I feel stupid. <laughs> I it feels like that maybe because there are moments where we don't know why we're seeing the thing that we're seeing. So there are moments like that where we don't know it yet. We don't know whose perspective we have. Like when it cuts to part three. Yeah, I know what you mean because there is a thing where Aaron sets, because Aaron sets up the camera for the axe murder. But then when we come back out of that, we're viewing it with Joseph. But it's all the one same shot. But we enter it with Aaron, but leave it with Joseph. So there is weird. At the end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I right. think I know what you mean. Yeah, it's like we we're think just, that we're... We're getting shifted we around that a we're, lot, was what yeah, I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're getting passed around. So, like, we start with Aaron, then we um, switch to not knowing, but we do have a perspective. We just don't know whose it is yet um, because we're just thrown into this new clip. And then we find out that we're watching it from Aaron's perspective, but also there's like an added layer of like, but this film was made by that guy. So we're seeing it through both of them suddenly. And then we're mostly with Aaron, except when he gets the second DVD. And then again, this is coming back up for creep too, because I'm going to rewatch creep one. And because I still feel like there was something like that, but we'll we'll come back to $3,000. Let's for making up money. Let's just, I can only commit $3,000 at this (laughs) time. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, so, okay. So we rate it extremely high. It's not even on the chart. It's, it's on the wall. It's It's a plaque in a frame. Can you guys think of another movie that we would pair it with to say, I've, if you like this, you'll love this? Because um, I've struggled. I couldn't think of one. It's a little bit of a lot of things, including... Right. What's that Jim Carrey movie with Matthew Broderick where he's like... A ca- oh, The Cable Guy. Where? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great yeah. one. There's oh, an God, element. Th- there's yeah. an element of that, but scarier yeah it's like the cable guy but less comedy more yeah horror. yeah it's a horror version that's a perfect one yeah yay i win <laughs> good luck danny <laughs> yeah i can't i'm really struggling to think of i can't may, yeah, may i, I suggest I the cable guy right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think this is a really unique experience and i guess like if you're a fan of just like psychological horror generally and you like movies that just think outside of the fucking box i think that you should absolutely give this a try um yeah there's really not i don't i don't have a good comparison but it's a it's a treat it is a treat I would add, if you're a fan of the Duplass brothers and what they do, because there are Duplass brothers fans that are just like, they've got, they've got like a following because they started doing indie films together. They did the puffy chair, which spoke directly to the hearts of people like Alex, who like appreciated the art side of the filmmaking and also the indie gritty part. So they like, they're really established. And I would say this film is a bit of an outlier in the catalog. Um, And I think they've like expanded and done a lot of weirder stuff and more like high, like higher budget films and projects like with room 103 which i hope is the right number because i keep saying it um and and the one that i love definitely a higher budget for that film so this feels like a special little outlier like a little side project where it was just one duplass the best one in my opinion um they're both (laughs) best ass uh (laughs) definitely best i haven't seen the others but i can only assume (laughs) based on how it compares to every other butt I've seen in my life. Um, I might be exaggerating. Uh, 
Huh. Yeah, so if you're a fan of the Duplass brothers and their work, it has the really tight, smart sensibility of, of their stuff, but it's just dipped in a different world and the tone is a little bit different. But if you like appreciate their style of filmmaking, you'll you'll like this movie. And it's not gory, so if you're not a horror person, this is not your standard like blood and guts horror movie. Oh, would you guys consider this movie a slow burn? Because it is and it isn't. Yeah, I would. Would you? I would because we. it takes so long for us to actually feel like he's in danger. And mm. danger is the thing that like escalates in typical like, Yeah, but I feel telling. like the, the uneasiness is, comes That's on true. pretty quick. It's just uneasiness. But that, but it, we stay with uneasiness. Yeah. That's like a steady incline. Actually, it's like a, it's like a fucking, like pulse monitor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's not climbing at a rate that's typical. And, and can we think of any other movies where there's only two and a half people in it? Because we got Aaron, Joseph, and the voice of Angela. If yeah, it feels claustrophobic right. in a really good way. Yeah. They're not yeah. around people. Even when they're at the diner, we don't nope. see, don't see anyone. anyone. Nope. I can't think of another movie that's like that, though. It, you know, sometimes it feels a little bit like a play. I was going to say, you could do like this on stage. Like a production. You could do- yeah. And that might just be, like, you know, a really, really small budget. Like, they yeah. made this incredible film on a really small budget because they don't need anything else. They actually don't need any other people and it's a benefit that the cast is just two and a half people because it feels claustrophobic and we're completely absorbed by what's happening between them. We don't have any like noise. I'm making this announcement now. Please join us at the Creep Club Community Theater for our <laughs> production of Creep <laughs> oh my starring God. myself, Tanya and Danny. There is a part of me that wants to fulfill this dream for you <laughs> because I was a theater kid in high school and I was scrappy and we did lots of weird productions because we had no adult supervision because of budget cuts. <laughs> I would love to hold the camera. <laughs> We'd only need three sets and two of them are indoor sets. So. Okay, okay. So who's who that's the question because someone's only going to get a bit rule on this danny i mean i have experience with jump scares <laughs> i have a history so i feel like i could nail the hiding and jumping out part <laughs> where i feel like i could really shine is that one scene that tanya you find very uncomfortable where it's peach fuzz blocking the door and the generation <laughs> i feel like i would oh nail god, that danny's peach fuzz yeah. oh my god what a I would great i say it. we change roles as the acts go along oh my god <laughs> are we geniuses yeah i think so <laughs> or are we creeps the Both. oh i mean that's that's why it's all coming together <laughs> Porque no los dos. <laughs> <laughs> okay i have nothing left to say it's all still gonna be stuff that i love about this yeah, no, yeah. have you guys watched the morning show i don't even know what that I is i don't either <clears throat> um mark duplass is in it uh and he's great in it. But anyway, um, I just had his IMDb up, and I was curious if you'd seen it. It's really, really good. Is really, all his really, stuff really good. Creep Club content? <clears throat> not all of it. Like, some of the TV he's done is really good, but not Creep Club content. Um, but, like, the one I love, definitely. Safety Not Guaranteed is, like, perfect for Creep Club. It's not horror. It's a little bit sci-fi. It's indie. It's comedy. It's weird as fuck. Um, It'd be fun to explore more I'm of his stuff. At, Via, room via one oh, oh, it's room 104. It was room 104 close. the whole fucking time. We were safe. We were in room 103. <laughs> <Yeah>. Only <laughs> bad things happened in room 104. I've only seen one or two episodes, and I liked it, but for some reason it didn't hook me, and I didn't watch more. Um, but he's done a lot of different types of things, but it's all good. Like, mm -hmm. Tully is a good example of, like... Um, it seems like something that might be in a genre that's really overdone, but I loved it. We went and saw it in the theater and it was great. Like, but typically that kind of movie is not something I'm super interested in. Um, people, I think like a lot of people know him from the league and I never watched that show. We tried to watch it and I was like, this is not my deal. 
Interesting. I'm looking at the Duplass Brothers Productions list of what they've done. Uh, they were involved with the Wild Wild Country documentary. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They produced it. Oh, yeah. snap. Okay. Didn't know that. And Evil Genius. Yeah, they put money behind those. Interesting. So that's, that's the other thing. I also trust the choices of investment. Like, uh-huh. even if they're not hands-on involved with projects, they... I trust their their taste. Wild Wild Country is creep club material, in my opinion. By the way. Oh yeah, we should dip our toes in the. Have you guys watched it? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's like special because it's in Oregon. It's right. It's in our backyard, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The morning show is great. I think he's just accident. He might be a producer, actually. I bet he's a producer. Um, But he's great in it. It's like he's a good actor. He's a solid actor. Um, but his performance in that show is is incredible. It's so good. It's coming back, and I'm so excited. All right, all right, all right. All right. right. Well, I guess uh, I think over two hours of creep is uh, oh sufficient. Uh, <laughs> early. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we love this movie, and uh, if you have not seen it, then you're stupid for listening to this podcast. First, yeah, you're a real. You dumb blew dumb. all the surprises. We're disappointed. Very disappointed. Yeah. Don't ever listen to another episode. You're not in. You're not in Crape Club. Just and you never. You will never be. will be. So yeah. it's good, it's good to alienate the audience before we've published. Well, any this episodes. is what That's creeps yeah. do. <laughs> if you're not on board the creep bus, yeah, they didn't sign up to be coddled. Thank you, Dan Dan. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in for the two people that stayed for that tirade <laughs> are you talking to me and danny everybody <laughs> talking to everybody oh you guys are still here that is the end of our two-part discussion of creep and also the end of season one of creep club can you believe it we waited all season to ask this so here it is please 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 subscribe to our show leave us a creepy review share it with your friends we really like making the show and we want to continue to do it and that's the best form of encouragement because it's data and data is everything follow us on social media at creep club pod so you can't miss us when we creep back in for season two you're not in creep. You're not in creep.